Good morning. It's pretty hard to come up after that. So, <laughs> my name is Howard Jolly. I used to pastor a Indigenous Alliance Church in Winnipeg. Uh, now I'm a Baptist. I hope that doesn't bother you. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I just, I, I, uh, I pastored a church there, and now I'm uh, executive director of Indigenous Alliance Churches of Canada. So I'm going to share with you my story a little bit. Uh, it's kind of tough to uh, share your story with people you haven't met before. So I thought maybe you could all give me your names and where you're from. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. But uh, I pray that uh, uh, the Lord would use my story. I'm mostly uh, sharing my story with you. Uh, it almost seems like I have to share something from the Word too. <laughs> We're in church here, you know. But uh, I think the book of Revelation says they overcame through, the, uh, through their testimonies and through their blood of the Lamb. Yes. So, so there's something about a story, too, that, that speaks, and speaks uh, uh, for God, too. It's, they say it takes two people to tell a story, one to speak and uh, one to listen. And I just pray that as you listen to my story, uh, maybe there's other things that will come into your heart and to your mind. That, that are connected to that, because there's, there's so much to say, and uh, I, can't, I can't say it in, in the little time that we have. Um, <clears throat> I just thought of uh, the words of Jesus when he says, uh, uh, truly, truly, you know, he, he'll say that often, and he'll say, you know, he that has ears to hear, let them, let them hear. And the idea is, you know, there's something that um, we need to pay attention to, and I just pray that uh, through the story that something will, will resonate with you and maybe uh, speak to you and, and encourage you too as we, as we talk together. I'm going to sing a song first. I, uh, I asked them if I could borrow a guitar. And I didn't know they were going to bring me a guitar that was going to match my, my clothes. <laughs> so so that's, that's cool. Um, it's kind of my story through a song. You, you probably um, remember the policy of Stephen Harper in 2008, uh, you know, concerning uh, Canada and, uh, you, know, the, you know, the atrocities, uh, even the things that have happened in residential schools and how it was governed government policy that really caused a lot of harm too. You know, children had to go to residential school, our, our people, and, and then even acknowledging of the harms that were done there, even the abuses that were done, uh, a lot of sexual abuse too uh, in the schools. And so when those things were acknowledged, um, I had written this song just before that, and I was speaking at a conference in, uh, in Regina, and uh, just before I, I got up to speak, they had the apology on the big screen. And so, and it was, you know, our people are hearing, we've got to stop everything for this, we've got to listen to this. So the apology was given, and then, uh, and then I had to speak <laughs> right after that. It was really tough, because there's things there, like there's an acknowledgement of the stories of the children, you know, and even... The apologies just kind of gave a real sense of that, and I just I was just overwhelmed by that, 
you know, because there's, there's, uh, there's really sad stories about uh, um, my people that have gone to residential school. And so I, I got up after and uh, I, was com I, wa I wanted to have this song for that conference. I wanted to have it done for this conference, so I, I wrote the song and it kind of talks about my life.
I figure I gotta Can you hear me okay? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Yeah, thank you. Um, even as I share my story, I want to preface it with a verse in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And the verse says, uh, we know that all things work together for good to those that love God, to those that are called according to his purpose. And when the writer says we know, it just seems like it's something that, that should be in your heart, you know, something deep within. And I, sometimes when he says we know, I, I kind of want to question him and say, no, I don't really know, you know. I'm, I'm not really understanding what you're saying. But as I journey with God uh, through, through my life, I, I find that uh, he, he brings things into my being that help me to really uh, process life in a way where I, I say, in all things, God is good. You know, God is good in all things, and that, that he works all things for good as we, as we journey with him uh, through things. And as we journey through our past, uh, even with God, that God somehow work, works through that for his glory. Um, I love uh, one of the things that our people say about life. They say, uh, the way into the future is through the past. The way into the future is through the past. And there's things that, that we need to work through in our past that, that can help us as, as, we, as, as we step into the future. And we can do things better as we work in light of the things from the past. And the idea of loving God is to have the kind of love that God has, <laughs> the un, unconditional love of God. And I, I just pray that that would come through as I, I share my story with you. And then also, too, um, the idea of being called is like that, that privilege that we have, you know, that, that God uh, gifts us with something uh, in calling us, and that he gives us with, the, uh, I guess you would say, the right to represent him, you know, in, in, all, our, in all our relationships. And then it's, it's talking about the purpose of God. And as I process my past uh, with God, I, I, can, I can sense that uh, there's something there uh, where God works in me to, to make me more like the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, I feel like he helps me to, to, to do what he calls me to do better as I walk through my past with him. So I, I just pray that you would sense that even as, as I, I tell my story. And even giving the example of Joseph, you know, <laughs> when his brothers were afraid for their lives, you know, after he was in power, you know, and they were afraid because of the bad things that they did to Joseph when he was young. And Joseph says, don't be afraid, you know. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. And so I just pray that uh, we, would, we would see that. So my story begins with uh, uh, my first memory of life. You know, as I think back on life, and the first thing that I could think of, maybe I was only about two years old, <laughs> and it's my, it's a, of my mom holding me as a little boy and singing to me. And uh, maybe that's where I got the, the desire to sing from, you know, uh, because of my mom. And I could remember this, uh, her songs. You know, she'd sing, um, Mushel, 
we merely will. Mama's God, tell it at one. Jesus, I say Ich bin mir gehört, I don't remember the rest of the song. I, I think I was sleeping by then. <laughs> it talks about God's love, that he would, how amazing it is that he would come down from heaven and, and come to be one of us, to give life to us. Then, then it says, let, let all heaven rise up. Let all the hosts of heaven rise. Let all, all of creation rise up and worship God because of his amazing love. The first memory I have of residential school was when I first went into the residential school. You know, like, we were going to uh, talk about reconciliation a little more uh, this evening. And uh, I think we have a $100 gift for the first 100 people that come, I think. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But anyways, I'm just trying to advertise this a little bit. Yeah. But... Uh, in residential school, I, you know, they took us into the residential school, and our parents took us there, too, because I don't know why. I think some of it is because it, we had to go, you know. They had, we had to go to residential school. And so when my, when my parents left us, I, I, could, I can still remember, like, I think it was kind of traumatic for me, too, because I, I just didn't know how to respond. I didn't know how to react, you know, to what was going on. But I remember when they took us up to, our, to the dorms where we were going to stay, we go through this hallway, um, and uh, we, uh, as we were going up to the hallway, like we're go they're going to take us to where we're going to stay in the dorms that we're going to live in. As they take us up to the hallway, I noticed a picture on my left. And the picture on the left, uh, there's like, is a painting. And on the, on the top of the painting, it's just all white and gold and beautiful. <laughs> and everybody seems to be happy there. And all those people that are there are white. And then as you go down to the picture, it gets darker. And there's the, the flames there. You can tell people are in torment. And all the people on the bottom are dark. You know, and just, it just kind of really brings across something. A picture really does something to you. I didn't realize how, how that impacted me as a, as a little boy. And even later on in life, how that impacted me too. And even, uh, uh, I was going to show you some, some pictures here too. Um, I think I have to point this way. No, the other way? Yeah, right there? I'm looking for that laser. No? <laughs> I did, did I do that? Oh, I did that. Where, where's the red, the red light? The, the red light is not coming on. Oh, I got it the wrong way. This one? That way? Oh, you got it? You see it? Oh, there it is. Oh, I got it. I got it. <laughs> I think you can eliminate people with this thing, too. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. This one, is, this is my dad. My dad. And... Uh, Guess which one is me? There's a thousand dollars for this one. <laughs> you can't tell. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a clue. It's it's the most handsome one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is me here. 
And in this picture, I'm only about three or four years old. It's hard to imagine I'm that, that young. And this is my baby sister. And this is my brother that's just next to me. His name is Abe. And this is my mom. And this is, this is my oldest brother. His name is Patrick. And this is the brother that's next to him, Alan. And this is my brother, Joe. His name is Joseph. Um, and this one here, his name is Harry. Uh, so there's quite a few of us. Um, my dad died in 1998 on, on Valentine's Day. I felt like the Lord loved him so much that he took him on Valentine's Day. <laughs> and this is my brother, Joe. He passed away um, a year ago on, on Valentine's Day. Yeah. Lord must have really loved him too. <laughs> you know, uh, my brother Joe, uh, was a, he's, a, he's an evangelist, and uh, he, he went all over preaching. And uh, he wrote a, a story about his life. I didn't know it was about his life. And so it is called Extraordinary Answers to Prayer. And uh, in, this, in the book, he talks about his life. And he's about six, seven years older than me. So he talks about being a child. <laughs> you know, he talks about going trapping with my parents as, as a little boy, going hunting as a young boy. And you know, when I was reading the book, it's just like I was meeting him for the first time. And it was just a part of grieving over his passing because they separated us when we went to residential school. You know, and... and, and and these, these, they went together, they're right close together. And uh, it's just like I didn't know them that well. Even when they would come home from residential school, it just seems like I was just so shy to be in front of my own brothers because I didn't, I didn't really know them that well. And uh, this is my dad. And uh, my dad uh, went to residential school as a little boy too. When he was young, he was orphaned like he was only about two years old uh, when his parents both passed. And then he went to residential school from about six to about 16, I think. And so, you know, I, as I look at the picture, like, I, I remember residential school. You know, like, like my dad, he drank a lot. He was very abusive. And uh, one of the things that he would say when he would drink is, uh, he would say, love is the best. Love is the best. And I used to hate him for saying that because I didn't see any love in my dad, you know, as a, as a young boy. And he was, he was a very violent man when he would drink. And I don't excuse the things that my dad did. You know, he would beat my mom at times too, and I don't excuse those things that he did. But I feel like when he was talking about love being the best, I think it was a prayer. I think he was saying, you know, if I experienced love, I think my life would be different. And I think there was a lot of things that were connected to, to his childhood that were connected to him crying for love. You know, I think when, when, when he would say that, I think he was really had a longing to, be, to, be, to have a sense of being loved. Even as, as a little boy, I, you know, I just, I just hated my parents. You know, I hated my dad. I didn't hate my mom. I loved my mom. My mom really loved me, but my dad, I really struggled with my dad. And uh, because of the things that he did, but also, too, I struggled because 
the residential school kind of took children away from the home. And it's just like you're telling the parents, we'll raise your children. You know, you don't really know how to raise your children. So we'll take your children and we'll raise them for you. And so as a young boy, I kind of struggled to think that my dad was intelligent. You know, I thought, I, I thought he was stupid. And I just regret feeling that, uh, acting that way toward my dad as a little boy. And so I, I, re I really struggled. And, and you know, uh, my dad came to know Christ as his savior when I was, um, I was only about 14 years old when my dad accepted Christ. My mom accepted Christ first, and then my dad. And uh, I was away, I was away from, from home at that time. And then, and then when my dad uh, came to know Christ, I, you know, I was, just, I was just overwhelmed. You know, like before I, I really hated him, you know, and I really thought he was my curse in my life. But then when I saw him for the first time after he was a believer, I said, man, if that's what Jesus can do, I want Jesus. And, and that's how I ended up giving my heart to Jesus. Through the, through the testimony of my dad. So the, the, thought, the, the thought of the verse comes to mind where it says, you know, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God used things in, in, in my dad's life. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, oh, man. There you go. Is that me doing that or you? <laughs> okay, I'll try it one more time. Oh, it's empty. Next one. I'm not sure how this is going. Oh, there it is. Stay there. Okay. Okay. This is the residential school I went to uh, in Moose Factory. See, um, right over here in this area is where we lived. And then uh, this is, this is a, where I told you where I went in first. I went in through this hallway. And then the boys' dorms are over here. And this part of the building is the, is the auditorium or the chapel. And so we would go there. And I would, one time I went... You know, we were, we were going, there's windows on the other side over here, too. So we were going to chapel, and, and I just kind of stopped in here somewhere, looked out the windows uh, while we were going to chapel. Because it made us go. And uh, I must have been looking over here where, where my family was. And uh, the supervisor tells me, Howard, uh, if you're a good boy in church this morning, maybe you could go to be with your mom and dad this afternoon. And uh, I thought of that, you know, I, I thought, I'm, I'm almost certain that I thought, boy, I wonder if I can be a good boy in church today. Because I really wanted to be with my family. But there's a huge uh, connection with those things that I'm saying with how my people struggle with church. How my people struggle with Jesus. They connect those things to, to residential schools. And the people that, 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 that hurt us in the residential schools are people that claim to know Jesus. So there's a lot of work to be done, you know, in, in giving the, the gospel uh, credence among my people. <clears throat> this is... Um, when we go downstairs, I had, I had a picture of the boys, too. This is when we go downstairs. Like, all the girls are on one side in, in, the, in the dining hall, and all the boys are on one side. All the little boys sit together. 
the intermediate boys sit together, and then the senior boys, same thing with the girls. They all, they all, and we have to line up uh, for our food. Um, let me try. See, see this lady here? She's indigenous too. And she's working there. And, uh, and so we're all... I read a book called uh, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. And it talks about how your, your body um, kind of keeps score of things that have happened in your life. And it, imp it impacts your body. Not just your mind, but it impacts your body. It, it impacts your whole being. So, so here this... Um, and in the, in the book, uh, the lady says, there's, there's three things that happen when you experience trauma. There's three, three lines of defense that you take. And you take them in this order. When you experience trauma, the first line of defense is, is social. So when somebody, somebody's hurting, you kind of look around to see if somebody will help you. That's what your body does. It looks around for somebody that will help you. If that doesn't work, then you will either fight or you will run. And then the third line is you panic or you paralyze or you faint. And it's just how your body works. It's how your body works when you experience trauma. So I ex when I read that, I experienced trauma in residential school. Lots of trauma. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. And, um, you know, one time a friend asked me, Howard, um, if you were to give me the theme of your life, in one word, what would that word be? I'm pausing because I want you to think about that for your life. You know, it came to me just like that. And the word was fear. Fear. A lot of fear. And I believe a lot of that is connected to things that happened to me in residential school. I experienced injustice in residential school. But there was nobody there to speak for me. There was nobody there to say, you know what, you're not, you're not treating Howard right here. There was nobody there to say that for me. And when we were there in this, in this um, when we were lining up, you know, for food, I must have been only about four or five years old. I got my food, took it to my table, you know, where we were going to eat. And I sat with a bunch of boys there with, with me my age group. And we were eating. And that as we were eating, uh, the, I, I didn't eat the vegetables. <laughs> You're supposed to eat the vegetables. And uh, I could tell that just from the smell of the vegetables that there, I wouldn't be able to, to eat them, you know. They, they were boiled turnips. And, uh, and so, so I had everything eaten, and then the turnips were there. And the supervisor comes and says to me, uh, you have to eat those. And I, I, I remember saying to the boy beside me, I said, uh, Wing is Jimmy I said, I said, I can't eat it. I don't know if, if it's because I didn't know how to say it in English or, you know, I said, I can't eat it. But all of a sudden, she just took a spoonful of the turnips and she put it into my mouth. And as soon as it touched my mouth, I, I, I puked all over the table. It was just, just a big mess. You know, it was just big ruckus and everybody could hear that, that something was up, you know, and all attention was, was on me. And, uh, <clears throat> She got really upset with me. 
and, and I could tell she wanted me to clean up my mess, you know? And uh, I could remember my, my brother coming, my older brother coming from, he doesn't remember, but I remember him coming from his older age group. That's, uh, his name is Harry. I know he, he was kind of hiding in the background there a bit. And he was coming and, and he tried to help me and, and the supervisor says, says, no, you can't help him. You can't help him. And, it, and I could remember too, uh, looking back, remember the, the workers were indigenous? They were my people, the workers were indigenous. I can remember looking back at them uh, when I was experiencing this, you know, like when I was being, uh, I guess, disciplined or whatever. I can remember looking at them and thinking, I think I was trying to think, oh, are you going to say something for me? You know, are you going to help me here? And they didn't say anything. I'm not sure if maybe they were afraid to lose their job or, you know, what. And I could remember, you know, being afraid, <laughs> afraid at that moment and, and just being paralyzed, I guess, too, because uh, I couldn't run, I couldn't run, I couldn't fight. And, I, and then after that, I don't remember what happened in that moment. So, so a lot of different, different things like that happening, you know, in, 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 in my journey in, in residential school. And, and there's, there's even a lot of other, other stories, you know, um, of my people that are very difficult, you know, where they experience sexual abuse too in the schools. And even trying, trying to process that too and, and work through that is, is, is very difficult. But, uh, but uh, you know, and even uh, things like, you know, where there, people are caught up in addictions too. Sometimes the, being caught up in addictions is connected to trying to, trying to feed your soul uh, with something where there's an emptiness in there, you know. And even, even things like uh, suicides, like even like where I work, like I, I pastor the church, and uh, um, they, um, we'd always get calls from northern communities, small northern communities, asking us to pray for them because there's been suicides in their communities. You know, and, and it's sad. It's it, it's very sad, sad picture. And uh, but even even that too, I experienced that too. I was suicidal when I was young. And and because of you know. I couldn't even remember taking that gun and wanting to shoot myself because I was struggling, struggling with life. And one of the things I was struggling with was, was my identity. But, but you know, um, I started on this healing journey. Uh, maybe I was, it might have been right when I got married. I, I really had the desire to be close to my wife. You know, I, I wanted her to know me and I wanted to know her. You know, I, I just had this desire for a real intimate connection with my wife. And, uh, and so I thought, well, if she's going to know me, I'm going to have to tell her what's in here. I'm going to have to open up my heart to her. And I, I told her something about my life that I never told anybody before. You know, I, I had hurt, hurt people in my life. Like even in residential school, you know, like there's things that you do to others, you hurt others too. And we hurt each other too in residential school. And I told her about this incident where I hurt someone. I was a little sad. I felt so ashamed, you know, of, of, of my life. And, and, and even, I didn't know what she was going to do. I thought maybe she was kind of not want to have anything do, to do with me. But I, I risked losing her 
because I wanted to be close to her. And so when I was done telling her, I just, you know, I just kind of had my head down. She just grabbed me. And she just embraced me. And she just cried over me. And you know, when she was embracing me, it was just like it was God that was doing that. It was like God was embracing me through my wife. I was just, it was just so healing for me. And you know, when we talk about these things, when I talk about those, these things, God loves us all. God loves each one of us the same. He doesn't love me more than he loves you. We're all precious in his sight. And I think we, we, we come into a, a deep understanding and <laughs> intimate knowing of what it means when he says he loves us unconditionally, when we, when we walk through these things with the Lord. And so when we talk about these things, I don't talk about them to, you know, just kind of have people pity me or, or feel sorry for my people. I, I do it because I feel like I want to bring healing. I want to bring healing to my life. I want to bring healing to the lives of people that are around me. You know, we're going to have uh, communion together. And, uh, you know, the idea of communion is, is very powerful. I'm going to talk about it just a little bit before, before we, we go into that. But, uh, like, in, in this healing journey, you know, for my life, I, uh, you know, I started to be comfortable in my own skin. I, I, I realized that God didn't make a mistake when he made me Cree. He made me who I am. And I believe he wants us to celebrate who we are. And I believe we, have to, we should celebrate our differences too. You know, when people express themselves from within their own culture, I think we should celebrate that because it's something unique to them. And, and with all of us, there's a lot of different cultures here. But, uh, and then when I wrote that song called The Redeemed Red Man, I just sang it for you, it had a real indigenous flavor to it. A guy told me here uh, when I first was warming up, he says, uh, oh, you like country music, eh? <laughs> yeah, I love country music. You know, I grew up on country music. But uh, there's, there's something there where, like, I, I take the guitar and, and I give it kind of an Aboriginal flavor to it. And then also, too, uh, the, the chanting. The chanting, like, I got that from a John Wayne movie. <laughs> Which, you know, they would circle the wagons and they would, they would, they would, they would sing their songs. But really, the chanting is, is really connected to uh, the Lord setting me free and also to uh, a mourning of losses and also to victory that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and I, I pray that you would sense that even, even through this song. <clears throat> you know, um, there's, a, there's a couple of verses in Ephesians that kind of talk about when we come to know Jesus. It says... Uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, you know, not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has before ordained for us to do. You know, very, very powerful uh, verses in, in our lives. And... Uh, and so there's something about it where we're made for the glory of God. We're made to bring glory to God. That, that's, that's the purpose of our lives, you know, to bring glory to God. 
And as, as we walk through things with God in our past and, and seek to honor him, to bring glory to him in how we walk through things, uh, there's, there's something that happens to us. There's something that happens to us. Uh, we become more like Jesus. And, and, then, and then through that, we, we bring glory to God. And, and we, we cause others to kind of look at us and say, hey, you know, what's different about him or what's different about her? I guess when we talk about reconciliation, I would just say, I feel like the church needs to be at the forefront of showing people what reconciliation looks like. We should show people what reconciliation looks like and how we relate to, brother, to one another as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you know, uh, there, there's, there's, there's a lot of things that are, you know, been a part of my healing journey. You know, I, just to kind of give you an idea, you know, of our stories, because really, like, in, in doing the work of, of um, reconciliation, we just need to hear each other's stories. And we need to feel each other's stories, too. You know, and so, so I pray, that's, that's my thought in, in sharing with you my story. And the, even, uh, even the huge thing is, um, you know, I had the, I, I chose the passage for, for reading it this morning in Matthew chapter 5. Oh, but that sounds pretty harsh, you know. <laughs> you know, don't, don't call somebody an idiot, you know. Don't wish that, that someone would go to hell, you know. Boy, those are powerful words, eh? But, but the thought there is like, if you bring your gift to the, to the altar and, and you remember that someone has some, something against you, or you might have something against someone, what does the Word of God say? Leave your gift there, right? First go and be reconciled, and then come and bring your gift to the Lord. Uh, the idea there is that, uh, the idea is that um, God is holy, and for us to be in his presence, we need to make sure that, that we deal with things in our lives. And so when, we, when we're getting ready to partake of, of the Lord's table, the word of God tells us to examine ourselves, examine ourselves. So if there's something there uh, where you are in, in a relationship where you kind of know that you need to make something right, then first go and do that first. But I think this morning... Uh, Maybe the way that we can do that is just, just to examine our hearts. And if there's something there that, that we know in our hearts is, is not right in relationship to someone, we can pray and say, Lord, I commit myself to, to dealing with this in my life. I commit myself to, to, to reconciling with, with whoever that, that I, um, I know that there's something between us. And, and, so, and so maybe we can, we can just do that even as we pray. Let's just do that right now as we pray. Amen. You know, uh, one of the things that I, I always stays with me when they talk about communion is um, that we are practicing the presence of Jesus. 
when we do communion, that Jesus is here. Amen? Jesus is in our midst. And I just love the way that I uh, led worship, you know, just to focus on, on the presence of God and, and his presence here and lead, leading us into that. What, what an awesome thing to, to acknowledge your presence, O oh Lord, here in our midst. Can we just acknowledge that? And we, we commit ourselves to you. And I don't know how to do this part, but if there's things where you feel like, you know, things have happened, even through my story, maybe there's something that, that comes up in your mind that, that you want to talk to me about, you know, I'll leave room for that later, you know, to, to talk about those things. I think, the way that I think is that if God is going to build his kingdom, it's, it's going to take us really committing ourselves to walking with him in the way that he calls us. There's a connection there. Amen? And so, so in, in these things, you know, I, my desire is for the glory of God uh, in my life and, in, in, and through your life. So let's just uh, I'll prepare our hearts to partake. And um, even as, you know, as we partake, it's just like, it, it almost seems like the, the, the bread and, and, the, and the blood uh, symbolizes uh, uh, the presence of Jesus in our lives, in and through our lives. And through that, we were able to, to live out this life uh, because of, of uh, partaking of, of his body and, and also through his blood to make us right. So I'm not sure. Um, going to be a song first. Okay, we'll, t we'll, we'll turn it over to the worship team to sing a song.